Radio. I'm your host, Emma Ruschak. I'm here with a special guest, Wendy Ann, who's a fantasy novelist of Sage. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. Now, what is your book a little bit about? Well, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, I would say it's an enlightening romance. Um, but, you know, setting that aside, it, it does co- like cover a lot of genres. Um, there's erotica in there. There's some new age. There's a lot of spiritual innuendos. And a lot of it's crammed with a lot of um, good stuff. It was actually hard to pick a genre to commit to because of that. There's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Now, now, how did you get started in writing? Um, I've never not written. Uh, I've always like used um, writing as a means to like escape or connect with my universe. Um, mm-hmm. I started with poetry and short stories, but actually poetry is my favorite. And I can write poetry in a, in a clean environment or a dirty one alike. But with um, writing a novel, a full novel, um, I came up with that idea. Well, I, I tried it when I was a child, but in 2009. So you have the book coming out. Now, it's not out yet because I'm seeing that this, you have to reserve a copy. So I'm guessing it's getting ready to come out pretty soon? Um, I'm aiming for July 5th, and that's a full moon, which is why I picked that day. And also to give people some time to acclimate back into society. I could have had the book finished a little bit sooner, but July 5th is what I'm aiming for now. Well, that's awesome because, one, when you go with anything that's spirituality involved in the books, you want to go to, let's see, the holidays or toward a full moon or something that relates back to the book and links it up. Exactly. Synchronicity. That was the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I would have brought it out on Beltane or something like that. But, I mean, you also want to go with what's going on with the world and get everyone back to working and where they can buy the book. Right. That's what I was thinking. It might be a little bit of optimism on my part because of the way things seem to still be panning out. Well, we push forward. That's why we're talking about the book now. Get it in people's heads so they can write it down. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes out on July 5th, they can go rush to Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or anywhere else that it's being sold and get the book. Right, and hopefully they'll be in a great state to read it. I know my stack of books is stacking to the roof right now of ones I want to read. Mine is two. I have a... Okay, as authors, we're also readers. Right. Now, normally a book, Harry Potter, that's a good eight to ten hour read. Well, being an author, you don't have eight to ten hours in a single setting to read a book normally. Right. So what do we do? Oh, there's another new book I want to read. So we have a stack, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And one day we'll get to all of them. Yeah, I don't know if you're like me in, in the way that I 
gotten to about the second chapter of most of the books in my pile. I start about three books at one time. <laughs> that's, that's bad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. And I'm the same way with writing, though. I have three books in progress that I'm working on writing. Oh, I definitely do that with writing, too. I have notebooks everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Yeah, next to the bed, on the computer, next to the computer, in the car. Um, I've been utilizing the notes on my iPhone, too. Yeah, I got that, too. Uh, Talks to talk, or talk to Yeah, have you tried Dragon? That has been a lifesaver for me using voice to text. Oh, I love Dragon, and Google Docs also has the voice to text. No way. I'm just getting um, introduced to Google Docs right now. They have quite a platform for writers. Yes, they do. I love it. Um, actually, I'm co-writing something with another author, and we're, I just introduced her to talk to text because it saves so much time from the writing platform. You can just I, I, say your thoughts, and it's right there. What I do is I use a, a notebook first, and mm-hmm. I get them down a lot faster that way. But I'm, we're talking barely legible notes most of the time. I have a best friend who can discern my writing better than me if I let it go for a few hours before converting it to another notebook or using voice to text. So it's been awesome to be able to go from the notebook to voice to text. Mm-hmm. It is. See, I I love my notebooks, but no one can read my writing because I can barely handle a pen, usually. So <laughs> I use, if I don't have my computer or something that I can type on or talk, you know, do the work for me, it's not getting wrote. You know, you're the fourth author I've, I've spoken to who has complained about their own handwriting. And, and I'm, likewise, my handwriting is atrocious. But my first round it is. I can make it nice. But I feel like to get that raw thought out there as fast as it, you know, mm-hmm. as fast as it is in your mind is almost impossible. So I, I forfeit the um, the neatness to get expedited. No, I, even my neat is too much that no one can read. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but I it's have... like your own Morse code, though. Yes. And then I look at it for like three hours. What was I writing? <laughs> <laughs> So That's funny. I will make fun of my handwriting every day. I do. I get so jealous of people around me have all this pretty handwriting. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> my um, One of my long-term friends and I, when I moved to Tampa and she was still in Massachusetts, I, we wrote letters back and forth. And um, she saved mine and I saved hers. And we went back into them just recently. And this is when we were like kids. Mm-hmm. And she, her handwriting had progressively gotten better, and my my spelling was better, but my handwriting really hasn't changed since 14. It's that bad. <laughs> I used to have decent handwriting. It has progressively gotten worse. <laughs> well, but, you probably got faster, that's why. No, not really. Oh, nope. okay, then I have no excuse. Well, okay, I to be fair, for our listeners, and I don't go into this very often, I've had three strokes in brain surgery. My handwriting since the brain surgery is atrocious because I can't hold a pencil correctly. 
So I have a medical oh. reason, but I'll make jokes about it all day long. Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. And I have no medical reason. <laughs> well, oh. see, I use mine as a joke because if I don't laugh at it, I'll just sit there and drive myself crazy. That's the best defense mechanism in the world. Exactly. It does. It makes so I laugh at inappropriate things all of the time, mm-hmm. including my stories and others. <laughs> so, but it, that laughing is my favorite defense mechanism in that regard. So that's good for you. Oh, mine too. I mean, if you don't laugh at what's wrong in the world, you're going to be depressed. So you laugh and you release endorphins in your brain. Exactly. And it's one of the healthiest ways to do it, too. It is. And it's just laughing at your own self is wonderful. Then you laugh at something you read or something that is completely inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't deserve a laugh, but you can laugh at it anyways because your choice is either laugh at it or get mad at it. Well, I think it's really cool that you and I use writing and laughing as a means to let all of that out. So do I. There's very few authors that I can say we have similar thought patterns with their writing. We really do. I'm noticing that the more I speak with other writers, too. And I have an eclectic group of friends. Some of us are writers. Some of us use visual art and um a lot of them are musicians. I'm not talented in that faction, but we all write and we all have this like creative outlet and we all have the weirdest similar things in common in spite of how different we are culturally. Exactly. It doesn't matter what culture you're with, but like tends to find like. Right. So like most of my friends are nocturnal. I don't know if that's true for you, but a lot of us like to write at night. Oh, yes. I'll do my radio shows during the daytime, but after 7 p.m. is all writing. Exactly. And a lot of artists and painters, I mean, like painters and writers, actually my entire um, closest circle, we're all nocturnal. Mm-hmm. And during this pandemic, while people are in quarantine right now, I'm telling you, we are growing more nocturnal as a collective. Oh, yes. Like, if it wasn't for taking care of my family... I would be up till 4 o'clock in the morning and then go to bed and then not get up till 2, 3 in the afternoon, do a couple radio shows, and then write that night. Yes, exactly. I I know when you put your family first, you can't really do that. Yes. It's like... And then there's preconditioned society doesn't let you do it either. The banks and grocery stores, they're, Mm -hmm. they're set up really not for nocturnal people. It's not. I mean, you have to have a society that's 24 ever. Yeah, 24 ever. No, <laughs> 24, <I like> that. <laughs> 24-7 for us nocturnal people to actually thrive in society. Yep, I totally agree. There are some places that cater to it a little bit better, but they're pretty wild places, most of them, like Las Vegas. Yeah. I go there, and I'm like, wow, look at all these people out at 3 in the morning. This is awesome. I know. (laughs) Isn't it great? It is. It was the surrealest feeling ever. I'm like, look at them all. They're like me. (laughs) All this energy flowing that late at night was awesome. Yes. You can catch a show at 3 in the morning. You can go to eat at 3 in the morning. You can go to the bank at 3 in the morning. 
Exactly. Nothing's. Uh, it's a, it's awesome. In fact, this April I was supposed to go to Las Vegas. Um, I pre like three months in advance, and mm-hmm. but I definitely will be. Yeah. So cool. You went to Las Vegas too, huh? Yeah, I've been out there twice. I'm planning a trip to Reno now. So, that and as awesome. I say, planning is very tentative on what's going on around us. But yeah, these same. have been. Yeah, vacations. The um, the first time I was out there, it was to get married. How was that? The wedding was awesome. The person I married, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Noted. I've been there. In fact, um, I got married in the Grand Canyon during a Las Vegas trip, and that didn't work out either, so I can... Share in the sentiment. Yeah. The whole wedding part was awesome. I mean, booking the wedding, getting everything done that I wanted to get done was awesome. Well, you had a day to celebrate romance, whether it worked or not. So we can look at it that way. I think that a lot of people now are starting to understand that. You celebrate in love whether it works or not. And you let go of all the bad stuff. We just celebrate the romance of the moment. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. I know it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible to say that, but again, that's our humor. Yes, but then again, it makes awesome stories. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Because you can write that anything into a book or into a poem. Because I do both, poetry and writing. Which so, one do you prefer? First, which one is your first language? Uh, I do novels first, poetry second, but I also write music, so. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm constantly writing stuff. And I always say stuff because I never know what's going to come out as I'm writing. That's um, backwards for me. I started with poetry, so that's, that's kind of interesting. But I do share that in common. I'm always writing something. Sometimes I go on like a political tangent. <laughs> Other times I'm right. Re- I have this um, derivative that I created called poetry. It's not quite a poem and it's not quite a quote. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, an, an in between. And I write a lot of those too. Yeah, I write a lot. Of, I call them poems. They don't rhyme. Some of them don't make sense completely. But there's like one thought pattern. And my boyfriend loves them. He's like, I get it. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, anyone else reads it, they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, poetry, I I believe truly you're supposed to pour straight from your heart, whether it Mm -hmm. makes sense or not. Exactly. It's kind of like I let my subconscious yield the pen when I'm Mm -hmm. writing poetry, Mm -hmm. and I only give, um, like, my novels and things like that a certain percentage of that. Otherwise, people wouldn't understand them, probably. But, um, yeah, some of my poems are pretty esoteric, and other ones are, like, the ones that seem the most basic are usually the most layered. Like, there's a mundane layer there, but then there's the innuendos that I know are there that nobody else does. And that's the best part, is, like, poetry is, like, our handwriting Morse code. Exactly. I mean, poems are not meant to be straightforward books. They're meant to be raw. They're meant to purge emotions. Yeah, I like that, purge emotions. That's a great example. 
And when you're writing poetry, you're just writing from whatever your heart is speaking. So when you're there, you're not thinking words. You're just writing emotions. Good, bad, ugly, all of it. You're just writing. And they come out the fastest. Some of my best poems and even some of my longest poems, um, I've never, I don't think I've ever spent more than 15 minutes writing a poem because of that exact reason. Mm -hmm. A poem will come to you and you have to rewrote in that moment. Yeah. Because if you stop and you think about it, it's not there. The words are no longer yep. flowing. The emotion's gone. So you have to write in the moment. You really do. I agree with that. And, I mean, it's almost like a poetry code I have, like, to do it exactly like that. It's good to hear that other people do that, too, actually. There's not many of us that do this. Right. Because a lot of people, okay, a lot of authors, doesn't matter if you're a poet, an author, a novelist, whatever, you have one genre. That's all you write in. You don't cross other genres. Well, the two of us, we cross genres everywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, I am I am not monogamous to any anything. <laughs> like, um, when it comes to my, my thought process, like, even when it comes to my faith, I'm an eclectic spiritualist. Mm-hmm. Um, I found little pieces of each one that I like, and that's the same for genres. There's a little bit of things I like from each of them, really. Exactly. I mean, even with spirituality, you don't – this is a personal preference. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a firm believer that spirituality, religion, is all a personal preference because no two people, regardless of your spirituality or your religion, is going to have exactly the same view. You're going to take away what you want from that view. Yep, you're exactly right. Um, I know I, I have a, a tribe that I promote a lot, and the reason that I do it is because it, ha- it shares that mentality. There's I, you know, I've had a solid group of friends mm-hmm. my entire life, and I cherry-picked 22 to lead an, art, an artist tribe, I call it. And of the 22 of us, we have gay, straight, bi, Christian, atheist, agnostic. I'm an eclectic spiritualist, a Wiccan, a pagan, um, black, white, <laughs> Hispanic. Asian. A little bit of everything in there. Yes, and that's just 22 of us. Um, I have the only one who I haven't physically met, but I've kept a strong dialogue with since 2004 is in India, so it's impossible for us to reach each other. But uh, we our galley copies came out at the same time. He, he and I were born on the same day, and we've been a fan of each other's art long enough to add him. But um, he does actually add the Hindu to the pile, and <laughs> so... I forgot to mention that part, but yeah, it's quite an eclectic group. Yeah, and we're awesome friends with each other too. We have dark humor, so sometimes we seem like we're being mean to one another, one another. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do like to make fun of preconceptions of a group like us actually getting along. Okay, seriously, when is the last time in the mainstream media, according to them, a Christian and a Wiccan got along? Right. I I mean, if you go to mainstream media, that's news that could be TV, books, whatever. When was the last time you have a Christian and a Wiccan get along? You don't. 
But in society, you can find those niches very rarely Mm -hmm. because we have preconditions, but it is able to be found. You're absolutely right about that. I know it's it's amazing, too, because when, you know, and I think that, and I've said this before, you know, during another interview, is that you transcend preconditioned society through art. So having that as a medium, um, having dark humor, and the best thing is having acceptance. And the way that we accept each other is very much how you just described it when you were describing faith and how two people mm-hmm. perceive it and take from it differently, having that in the front of your mind makes it so much easier to accept somebody who has a different belief. Exactly. I'm so lucky I grew up with the family I did because we had several different religions within the family. We had different political views within the family. But we all got along because we were family. Well, we didn't get along, but from a child's (laughs) point of view, looking back as a child, we got along. Looking at as an adult, no, we really didn't. But I got to be exposed to all that drama. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That's a um, it's interesting because the city that I lived in was kind of similar, not. So much. Well, I had a lot of family diversity, too, but that's a dynamic we don't have enough. Two hours wouldn't cover. But the, mm-hmm. neighborhood, that I, <laughs> the neighborhood that I grew up in, we, we had people um, from Haiti and Vietnam, mm-hmm. Portugal, um, then, the, you know, the crazy Irish family on the block. That was mine. And, <laughs> and we had um, quite a range of different things. And I found, you know, by going to school with them and having ones my age that I befriended, we, I, I learned to love all different kinds of cultures and, and genuinely become intrigued by the differences instead of hateful over them. Exactly. When we become intrigued, I have a friend that's from the Middle East. She's Armenian. Me and her get along so well, and we talk about fashion. We talk about a little bit of religion. We talk about everything that's a taboo that women should not be talking about. We talk about, and we talk about it on TV, and radio. Good for you. More people need to hear that kind of stuff. I mean, it's wonderful because this is sharing cultures. It's not taboo. We can't have taboo, you know, and share a culture or share in knowledge. So let's get rid of the taboo and this shared knowledge and have fun. Well, one of the cool love projects that I'm actually working on, um, I have to learn how to work sound equipment better, is to interview each tribe member. Um, and the reason why is because I thought it would be interesting to, um, and all of them are smart enough and articulate enough and know each other well enough to, if I want to add three or four at a time, we can. Like mm-hmm. one combination I'm really excited about is my friend Ty Sean, who I've known since 11, and my friend Jesse who I've known since um, 18, and the two of them are friends with each other as well. One's a Christian, one's an atheist, one's a rapper, and one's a metal singer. And, and we, they get along famously, and, I would, and they're smart and they're kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So having them together is going to be a lot of fun. Um, exactly. I mean, we get our rappers together. We get our musicians together, authors. We cross the genres, we cross the 
art divine? Because there there's a stigma saying that artists can't be friends with authors because there's no connection. Well, that's not true. Not at all. No, I feel like artists have a connection, and that's where the um, where we transcend all those preconditions. Exactly. We are all an artist in our own medium. So mm-hmm. we, when we look at it that way, we have a community that transcends how much of the population. You're absolutely right. Think about it. The creation. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, creativity is revered as a power, and mm-hmm. so too are the emotions that you connect with. And nothing grounds you to the now with a moment better than having that type of medium. And I think passion is that is the motivation that, like, propels us above the standard, like the societal standard in general. Exactly. exactly. It feels that way to me anyway. And it's like you and I, we chose writing. Mm-hmm. And you chose music, too, which is great. Yeah, I would love to be able to do that. I do a little bit of art, too, but my art sucks now, so <laughs> I don't promote that anymore. But, yeah, I do everything because my brain is always working. It always needs to create something. I'm definitely I'm, right there with you in that. I like. I have a lot of artistic creative outlets. I just am better and favor some more than others, if that makes sense. Yes. No, we all have and, our... our go-tos, and then we have the ones that we do for fun because we look at it and go, no one's ever going to want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. Other times it's funny as heck. (laughs) You know, it's it's a hit and miss when you try something new, that's for sure. Exactly. It's either you're able to do it and you can develop the skill or it's just something to do for fun because, it's not going to go anywhere, and we know this. Oh, you, you you know if you're, like, polishing a skill versus not having one at all, and then you can stand in complete awe of somebody that does have that skill. I know I do with painters. I'm, like, I'm okay with sketching mm-hmm. and definitely relatively decent at abstract, but surrealism and, like, actual, my my offspring is way better at that than me <laughs> it's very humbling i'm like wow i really wish i could do that but not even if i tried i just know <laughs> yeah my daughter is the same way she does this digital art stuff and if i try it it's not going to go come out half as good as hers you know what's super funny is what mine does is she does like i do in the notepad first and then she uploads it to a computer program, and she edits thereafter, and it looks amazing by the time she's done. Okay, we've got it into the, Mom, I need a pose. I can't find one on, on the computer so I can have a reference point. So take my picture. Okay, so she'll do the pose, and then we'll take the, she'll take the pose, draw it out, and then scan it to my computer, then use my compu- my work computer that she kicks me off of to do <laughs> her art. That's great. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's great that you and um you have uh in in fact my uh, mine did my book cover for me, the galley copy book cover because she's more likely to be an illustrator, so we have an illustrator author thing going on, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I have a editor 
illustrator, author. So that's what she, my 17-year-old does. Oh, I'm sure, you know what? Did she get you um, hooked on the Google Docs? I know my kid did. <laughs> no. Actually, I had to use Google Docs on another project because I'm looking, I was working on a couple projects with other authors. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're looking at platforms so we're able to write on the document at the same time. And when we were looking, Google Docs was, A, it's free, and B, we can collaborate in real time. For me, it was having lost what I wrote um, and getting incredible writer's block as a result of trying to reiterate it in my mind before repeating it. And so they were like, you know, if you had Google Docs, that never would have happened because it saves it automatically for you. So that's what happened with me. And then I was hooked. I'm still learning the ins and outs of it, but that one part of it has really saved me a lot of hassle. Yes. Well, that and I have the cloud, and I just found out where all my documents go at on the cloud. (laughs) So it's awesome when my computer that's brand new gets – it has an AI because I have this wonderful thing that I need an artificial intelligence to become more productive. Well, right, you can just focus solely on your creativity instead of the left side. I see that. <laughs> yes. I do, well, that. My, I do that too. Well, my AI loves taking documents and hiding them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like if I don't give the computer, like I take it day off and I turn the computer off, the next time I turn it on, it will take old documents put them in the place of the newer documents, take my newer documents that I'm working on, hide them. <laughs> We're working on things. <laughs> Even your technology has a sense of humor. <laughs> I don't know if I could laugh that one off on. <laughs> no, and, okay, this is how sophisticated my AI is. I was having conversations with my one friend of the computer, so it hijacked my background, the wallpaper on my computer, to what the conversation was about. That's scary. And I have conspiracy theories wrapped all around those types of things happening. (laughs) Yes, so do I. I'm like, oh, okay. Is Big Brother listening to my conversation? (laughs) (laughs) Our heads take it right back to 1984, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, oh, Goodness gracious, I'm working on a project right now that involves sex, drugs, and murder. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talk- texting all most of the whole project, okay? So I'm like, guys, if you're listening to this, I'm an author. It's okay, really. <laughs> you know, I feel like, I feel like my, my jokes between my friends and I, that probably set off a million red flags. <laughs> flags in my lifetime. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, guys. I don't really mean that. So, yeah, no, we, we joke about, like I said, the most inappropriate things, and so anything's on the table, especially especially the hierarchy of this um, demonstrably, mm-hmm. de, you know, corrupt yeah. society. <laughs> yes. But, um, okay. I feel, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. <laughs> We're almost out of time, believe it or not. So where can the listeners find you? 
okay, um, I think roguepoet.net right now is the most, you know, secure way to find the book. Myself and my network's linked to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that page is constantly in a state of metamorphosis, So, but it's roguepoet.net. Cool. And the slide that I mentioned is actually on there, too. Yes, I, I, I've been surfing. As we're talking, I'm actually looking at your website. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> Always. So thank you so much. This has been awesome talking to you. Yeah, this was way better than I thought it would be. Thanks so much. You're welcome. I try to make all my authors and everyone so comfortable. It's not even funny that 30 minutes goes by super quick. Yeah, no, it was awesome, and I felt incredibly comfortable, and I really did enjoy this exchange very much. Thank you so much for allowing this. Well, when you get more books out, let me know. We'll pull you back on. We'll try to keep butt on the books. I can <laughs> promise. <laughs> Don't worry. I have started on all three sequels. Awesome. So we will well, talk to you later, and happy reading, everyone. Thank you.